0: No purchase necessary.
1: Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline Hollywood. How's everybody doing out there? We are back for another great conversation. Now, from the headline you are probably wondering why I am discussing the adult film industry and why I'm talking to Bree Mills. Well, on today's episode, Mills and I chat about the disconnect between Hollywood and the adult film industry. I have always been fascinated about this separation, why adult films are seen as other, why they are seen as less than. And when I was asking around for people to talk to about this subject, Everybody was talking about Brie Mills, Brie Mills, Brie Mills. And she's a queer woman who's done a lot in the industry. She was a perfect person to talk to about this because she is really pioneering new ways to create content. So I definitely had to get her on the show. Labeled as an industry disruptor, Brie Mills is an award-winning adult filmmaker and chief creative officer at adult time, a streaming company with high-budget, well-produced adult videos, series, and movies. High quality is what separates Mills from the pack. Her work leverages art, sexuality, and cinematic narratives to Trojan horse, powerful messages, which moves away from the, you know, the old or archaic adult film styles of yesteryear and ushers in sort of a new age of content. For people who are looking for something with a little bit more substance as opposed to the pizza guy delivering pizzas and people get it on and stuff, there's actually a plot and a story and something interesting to really follow if that's what you're you know, looking for. And she's worked with some of the industry's best and is widely respected. So why not have a conversation about cinema overall with someone like that? And this conversation that we have really gets to the heart of why adult films are seen as the bane of cinematic existence. Mills also talks about how she tried to cross over to the mainstream with some of her content, but continues to get rejected time and time again. It's really fascinating to hear her reasons as to why that happened. Money and marketing also plays a factor in the separation as well. It's a really fantastic, well-rounded conversation that we have that you have to tune into. I learned so much, and I think you listeners out there will definitely learn a lot as well. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, review, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast on Apple and Spotify. And with that said, let's get into it. Uh, Thank you, uh, Bree Mills, for coming to the Scene to Scene podcast. It's a great and quite unique experience to have someone like yourself on the show. Um, You know, some would say, oh, you know, I thought you were just kind of like focusing on on films and stuff. I'm talking to a film director. I don't see what the problem is. But anyway, a while ago, I asked a question about um, adult films and its connection to cinema. And most people seem to agree that it should be a part of the the main lexicon of what cinema means and what it means to have cinematic content. Others sort of disagree with that. Um, But before getting into that, can you talk a little bit about um, what you do um, as a director and um,
0: how you got associated with the adult film industry? Yeah, sure. So I like to introduce myself as a lousy pornographer, mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the sense that uh, a lot, a lot of uh, both speaking to you know the kind of traditionalist stereotypes about what who pornographers are and what 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 their motivations are and, and what their content is like. Um, You know, there's some amazing directors in our industry who are just fantastic at bringing out a particular kink or um, focusing on a particular genre. And for me, because I've never really been super interested in the sex itself, that's not really the motivator for me. And because I kind of came into the adult industry very much as an outlier and an outsider, um, my interest has always been on everything kind of around the sex itself. So the, um, the, the story and the character development and the cinematography, those were all my kinks. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that has been just naturally what I have gravitated towards in my career. And, um, you know, thankfully, because as you opened with, there isn't much of a distinction at the end of the day between what an adult film can be and what a mainstream film can be, apart from the inclusion of sex. Um, you know, I've I found that I've been able to build an audience of, of people who are looking for all those same things um, and uh, who are interested in those same things as well. And over the course of time, I, I realized um, just the uh, importance of being able to use our medium to really tell stories and and to make films and to reach audiences. Um, Sex and sexuality are two of the most fundamental, important um, aspects of every single one of us, no matter what our relationship to them. It's, you know, sex and sexuality and, and gender identity and body identity. These are all huge parts of our psyches. So to censor that from your art and to say that you can't Express that in your art is probably, you know, in large parts the reasons why society has so many hangups and issues. And, you know, as an as industry, we reach millions of people. You can't deny it. There are millions of people who watch our content. So, because we're not afraid to express, you know, sexuality and because we're not afraid to talk about it, I, I've come to realize that we have a real responsibility to use our medium to be able to touch on subjects in our films and through film that our mainstream counterparts can't because of, you know, pretty archaic and outdated um, censorship. So that's that's a little bit about kind of, I I guess, who I am, but if my my day job, if you'd like, I'm the chief creative officer of Adult Time, which is the leading streaming service for adult content. Uh, We modeled ourselves almost exactly as you would find on netflix and hulu and hbo max Uh, the only difference is that our content uh, is uncensored and does include a broad spectrum of um uh uh, shows series uh pilots films docu series um safe for work adult content not safe for work adult content and within uh all different sides of the gender and sexuality spectrum. So we're basically like the Netflix of porn as we've often been described. Uh, and uh, that is my day job is really overseeing you know, that platform and, and the, the content within it and the vision for that. Um, but I also am a producer and a writer and a director of my own series and films too. And what's interesting about, I always
1: find the dismissal of of this sort of a different, it's just a different part of cinema. Um, really, really fascinating. Um, and why do you think there's such a separation mm-hmm. of oh, the the adult film industry is so below me? There are no Paul Thomas Andersons or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, Spielberg. So this is just like quality garbage or whatever which you know a lot of it can be oh for sure yeah just like a lot of television is pretty terrible right and a lot of movies are awful. yeah right yeah yeah Um, and I don't know why people don't act like there isn't a lot of crossover you look at the history of film in general like the first I believe the first actual considered uh adult film or porn film so to speak, is like from the late nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was like eighteen something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after you know the sort of inception of the first film that came out, somebody was like, oh, let's get this on on on. Uh, let's get this on cinema," and you know, it's pretty early on, and it's I would consider it a part of the sort of uh, you know, of the sort of canon of the film industry. Anyway sure. I'm, I'm talking yeah. too much. I wanted to be able to answer
0: that. No, well, it's I mean, listen, like we said, sex and sexuality are central to all of us. So it's it's no surprise that from the origins of mainstream film, there have always been uh, there's always been adult film. Now, where did we as a society get the perception that adult film is, Lesser than, or you know, um, or or should be othered. I think it's a combination of, of factors. I mean, when you look at just the relationship of censorship and film throughout history, um, that they that's always been always been very prevalent, and certainly there have been times throughout history where it has been more prevalent. Uh, but you know, uh, um, putting film within very rigid boxes, and oftentimes, you know uh in um uh really uh, excluding subjects and conversations um you know that that later on we look back and realize were you know incredibly outdated you know i mean it, that's a, that's a part of cinema history um so you know it, it's very easy for, and for whatever reason i mean we've just always we've always as a society, society had this horrible hang up about sex like you know somehow talking about it or showing it in any light even though it's something we all do and it's where we all come from you know like even though it is so fundamental uh we've just you know we, we just can't seem to get past the notion that it's this you know and obviously there's a there's a lot of you know religious uh um context to this and, and a, a lot of sort of social reform context to this but um but I think that, you know, adult films, adult films used to be, you know, in the, in say the sixties through to even the mid nineties, you know, as an industry really modeled itself on being just like the mainstream film industry. So at the time, you know, we were, we were all relying on, you know, um, a combination of of, of broadcast and, and home video distribution for, for our businesses. So, you know, adult companies were trying to make films that were good quality and had high budgets and could, you know, compete on pay-per-view or could compete, you know, in uh, um, DVD sales. So, like, the mentality was was pretty much the same, you know, and even though the budgets were minuscule compared to mainstream film budgets, I mean, Pirates was what, like, half a million dollars or something, which, you know, for our industries that's a pretty big budget. Now, like, um didn't Deep Throat do numbers at the theaters? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, because, you know, for up until a certain period of time, adult films were shown in theaters. You know, Mm -hmm. they weren't shown in, you know, uh, cineplexes, but they they were shown in theaters. They had, you know, again, the the distribution model between an adult film and a mainstream films were were largely the same, uh, just at different scales. So the big change I think that happened was you know, with the rise of the internet, uh, you know, there were a a couple of really significant changes that happened to adult production. Uh, The the first were the development of tube sites, so sites like Pornhub, um, you know, where uh, all of a sudden content that had been proprietary that you couldn't access unless you bought a DVD or rented a movie or what have you, all of a sudden Uh, they were all being uploaded for free and much like, you know, you, YouTube for again, mainstream content. It, it, um, kind of completely changed the landscape of distribution and, you know, adult filmmakers were all of a sudden having a lot of their work pirated. And in general, there was a shift from going to the movies or, you know, renting a DVD to accessing it online. So, you know, my company, uh, uh, which has been around since the late nineties, uh, uh, was one of the first companies to partner with adult studios to build websites to run website membership uh, sites. Uh, and then that gradually began to to become the predominant form of distribution for adult companies. But that really changed what kind of content you made because you went from putting you know all your eggs and maybe a few key films a year that had higher budgets to all of a sudden needing to fulfill a, you know an ep- a release quota. Maybe you all of a sudden have, to release an episode every week, or man, they're doing it two times a week, so we got to go three times a week, and so so volume started to become more important, um, especially because a lot of your content was getting pirated, right, right. Uh, so it became much more about how fast and how quick uh, and how cheap you could get content out, just to be able to compete with the consumption changes, uh, and this had you know a big impact on uh, what you could budget for so all of a sudden craft services was no longer catered or you know people who used to you be able to spend a lot more on their crews suddenly had to do three four jobs within one crew member so it we production took a big hit and um that also led to the rise of of less cinematic uh, story driven content and more what we call gonzo content which is you know kind of a person with a camera, you know, in a room, and, and and that became a very very popular style, along with kind of a faux amateur content, the kind of bang bus and that sort of stuff. So in the in the first half of the 2000s, you know, from like 2005 to 2000, you know, 15 or so, you had Gonzo content that was very popular. You had more and more content being, you know, released online or leaked online, and you had content producers having to do more with a lot less. And, um, you know, that certainly would impact what people's perceptions are uh, about, you know, what adult content is. Uh, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, certainly there's, there's a fair number of, you know, stereotypical cheesy scenarios that, you know, um, regardless if they're popular, you know, they could be easily made fun of. Uh, and, um, you know, that was kind of the, that was the world that I stepped into again, as, as a sort of non-porn person, um, as an outlier, when I started to produce content in the 2010s and what I realized, because, because I was interested in stuff that had largely been kind of pushed, pushed down or pushed out of the industry, uh, yeah, I was able to kind of prove pretty quickly through myself and the work of my colleagues that if you invested quality back into the content, into the storytelling, into the acting, into the cinematography, um, that people were so starved for it because it had been, you know, going down and down and down for so long that they were willing to pay for it. And we were able to build a few uh, successful um, uh, adult studios that were doing, you know, basically like, you know, uh, the equivalent of a 45 to 60 minute episode of something that you would, you know, or could see on uh, you know, on a streaming platform. Certainly at the sort of B movie level. Um and uh and luckily we weren't the only people at the time that started to put a focus back on quality. Uh so there were a few of us players in the game at that time that that sort of helped to to really raise the bar. And now, you know, you look at a lot of the films that are coming out and we just have some incredible incredibly talented people really beautiful thought-provoking interesting stuff like so many female creators that are really the biggest directors in the business um and so but but people don't t- typically civilians as we call y'all uh outside of porn uh, don't typically know that that exists they just sort of think about the pizza delivery guy or you know the sort of 90s vivid contract girl image uh so part of what i try to do by speaking on podcasts or by sharing my work is just exposing everyone to like, no, this is actually what one of our films is. Take a look at it. I bet you it's going to completely change your mind about what adult content can be.
1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: I think about all the film festivals that I've been to and, you know, some of the films that I've seen. Like, I remember a director called Gaspar Noé directed a movie called Love. And I think it's Mm. about three hours of just people, like, just having sex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so... This is not considered adult entertainment or porn because it's at can, right? Um, Or um, what was another? Or you know when we look at queer queer cinema, um, where you have something as explicit
0: as "Blue is the warmest color," right? um, Which is featuring underage people as well, right? Like absolutely, completely hypocritical because that is illegal and wrong and all of that stuff. A lot of the stuff that we get shamed for, even though we're working with, you know, consenting adults to make, you know, films that, you know, anyway, don't even get me started on that.
1: Oh, no, I was gonna say the film is <laughs> a hot mess. That's a whole separate yeah, yeah. that uh, that we can talk about that. But, or, you know, when you look at films like that and just look at different films that have come out throughout the years um, mm-hmm. in cinema that are considered auteur or, yeah. um, you know, prestigious because of who's attached to it or where it's yeah. premiered. Um, you know, those people don't catch the 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 deluge of of insults and and sort of uh, you know turning up their nose to that because of where it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, when you talk about the quality of certain things, that's very interesting, and it hadn't crossed my mind. Um, I knew for a while that people were starting to, to take, I don't remember his name, but he directed a lot of superhero parody, uh, Axel Braun, probably. Axel Braun, yeah. and, you know, people were actually like starting to write about that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. mainstream, uh, in mainstream, uh, w- uh, outlets because of the quality. And it mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I just didn't put two and two together.
0: And I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Don't know. Well, I went through a really interesting experience because I've been on this sort of crusade myself, or at least for, for a good number of years, I was on this crusade where I sort of wanted to prove, like prove that we should be taken seriously as a medium. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went out in, in 2019, I released a film called Teenage Lesbian, which was a film that was based on my own experiences growing up as a gay teenager in the second half of the 90s, which, you know, was really the last few years before um, lgbtq rights were discussed in any shape or form mm-hmm. on, on an on a national scale so i mean i remember sneaking into the back of the one community center in my hometown to watch the ellen coming out episode and you couldn't mm-hmm. go to the front because you might get beat up so you had to sneak in the back and sort of huddling with a group of people and watching it like i remember that and now, you know, it's, it's only been, what, 20, 25 years since then. But I remember, you know, because I work with a lot of, of people who are Gen Zers, people in their, in their early 20s, and I'll say something like that and they look at me and they're like, what? You know, so it really struck, it, it struck me that even though that was not that long ago, um, how much has changed, but how important it is to remember and never take for granted, you know, the, the, the progress we've made. So I, I made this film because I wanted to capture what it was like for somebody at that period. Um, and, you know, because I, I had gone through it myself, I, I decided to use my own story and kind of fictionalize a story based on that. And I was really like, because it was a queer film and because it was a coming, coming out and coming of age film for me, it was really important to include sexuality in that story. It's, you know, pretty central to the story. Um, So, but I, but I wanted it more than anything to just be taken, taken as a film. And so I decided, well, why don't I make one film that can come out in two versions? You know, if I'm smart and I consciously plan for it, I can know where the R-rated cut cuts and where the X-rated cut continues Mm. but it's still the same film so i made a a film that i I was able to release both on adult time but also we released the uh the equivalent of an r-rated film of course we couldn't get it rated because we got shut down but uh the equivalent of an r-rated film that followed all of the specifications um and we put that out uh for free and we put that out on youtube and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that uh, and I submitted it to independent film festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually were able to place in a few of them and win a couple of, of uh, you know, prizes at some smaller festivals. Uh, we were shut down on YouTube, even though it was an R-rated film. Uh, we were shut down. It had hit about 11 million views and then got shut down. Um, we had uh, worked with a an aggregator to submit the film to, you know, different platforms. Uh, we were told by the aggregator that basically none of them would take us because of our association with adults, so we were shut down there. So it was really eye-opening experience about, you know, uh, even as an adult company, making a film that was <laughs> like, way tamer than, you know, blue is the warmest color, or many, many films that have come out, like way, way, way tamer just because of the negative association that anybody with, you know, with an adult unfortunately has, you know that was the kind of response we got. But at the same point, that film won all the major industry awards for us that year. It has reached millions of people. We've had the most, you know positive response to it. It was I think it still is the most viewed thing in adult time. So regardless of whether we're embraced by the mainstream or not, we can, again, still make these films. And that really inspired me in the years since. We've made other biopics. Um, we we made a biopic about a performer, a trans uh, a female performer. We did that last year. Uh, and then this year, I'm just about to release um, probably our most like faithful film that we've ever made because a lot of times you know as an adult film when you make a you know film you still have to have x number of sex scenes in them and they have to be you know 30 minutes each so you can't no matter how good your story is if you have to break in the story to include like a 40 minute sex scene especially if it really in reality would have only lasted about two minutes like you still are taking yourself out of the film and and making it an adult film right but this the this new film that we have coming out um Called Stars, which I co wrote and co directed with a performer named Jane Wilde, who is one of the most, you know, kind of highest profile performers in the industry right now. But she wanted to make a movie based on her entry into sex work uh, because, you know, so often our stories are told for us by other people that are, are, have not experienced anything. So we were like, let's take the power back. You tell your story, let's use our medium to tell that story. And rather than having it have, you know, four 45 minute sex scenes or whatever, let's just make a movie. And so we made a movie. It's two and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. It does include sex in it, but it's part of the story. It's not, you know, a story and a sex scene. Uh, And I'm incredibly proud of, of the results. And I think if anyone were to watch STARS, they would really question well, wait a minute. What is this thing called an adult film? And how is it really that different than anything that you're watching on netflix these days for goodness sakes
1: well that's it's interesting you say making a film about the industry as opposed to it being from the industry because right now i'm looking at a list of just you know films in hollywood that have come out that are about porn and Mm -hmm. um the girl next door is one of them i remember that boogie nights is another Mm one Uh, They made a movie about Linda Lovelace and uh, um, a film called Finding Bliss and Zach and Miri Make a Porno and The Mm -hmm. People versus Larry Flint and um, just sort of different films that have come out. There's one that came out recently called, um, I know it was directed by a ninja thing. I think think
0: there's one called Pleasure that came out recently. Yes,
1: that's the one, Pleasure. That yeah. came out that, um, you know, was that, I believe it was at Sundance and South by Southwest oh, yeah. and, and saw all of this critical acclaim. And I'm like, so we can make Hollywood films about the industry, but when it comes to embracing the industry, it's like, well, no, not like that. And so I, I, I'm wondering, what do you think about the portrayal of sex work? Particularly pornography in the greater lexicon of Hollywood and 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 Hollywood cinema.
0: Right. Well, it, it, typically, um, typically we are not shown in a very positive light, mm-hmm. or we're shown in a very one-sided light. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if I, I can't necessarily speak to films like, let's say, The People versus Larry Flint or um, Boogie Nights, where they were really it was really about a specific era or a specific individual, uh, and I mean I enjoyed both of those films. So whether they were ac- super accurate or not, I you know uh, I don't know that, but um, but they were fine as films. What what concerns me more are some of these um, some of the more modern pieces that come out. Most of the time they're documentary pieces. So the whole hot girls wanted fiasco. Um, But, you know, like a film like Pleasure may have good intentions in the sense that the the filmmakers did approach industry people, particularly actors and actresses, and kind of approach them with the notion that that we are going to tell an inclusive story, uh, you know, that uh, would feature them in a way that would, you know, be their story. But, you know, like many things, that's not how it turned out. And for the most part, the performers who, who were in that film, who, who I know had really negative reactions to when they saw the final thing put together based on kind of what they were sold, it was going to be like. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it comes down to w- whenever somebody is telling somebody else's story, it's always going to be an interpretation. So, you know, if, if I'm telling your story that's gonna be my interpretation of your story. It's never going to be as authentic as you telling your own story. So there should be, and and again, I believe we can use our medium to do this. Um, whenever we're having social conversations about what it's like to be in sex work or people's experiences in sex work, it's really important to uh, include the sex workers in that in that conversation and to allow them the, Uh, Platform to be able to share their perspectives. Um, And I find that, unfortunately, uh, sex work is a a super hot topic that a lot of people have really divisive opinions on, but it's so rare that somebody from within the industry can actually share their perspective on something. And and I I think that like any community that is being um, uh, the subject to a lot of, of criticism, And a lot of these divisive opinions needs to be able to speak for themselves, and to be taken seriously. And unfortunately that doesn't, you know, again, probably for the same reasons that an aggregator just straight up told me we can't take your, your work sorry. Um, Most of the times, uh, you know, performers are just written off, you know, or they're only cast in something if it's, you know oh, we need a, a nude extra for this, therefore we'll get you, you know, but it's, um, it's about time that we really allow, we pass the mic to, uh, to allow um, uh, some of those uh, who have been affected to actually speak for themselves. And so stars is a great example of that. It's a super objective story. There's really shitty things that happen in the story and there's really beautiful things that happen in it. And that's what most of our lives are like. You know, and it's 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 more than anything the story about ha- how life is a journey that is constantly presenting you with lessons. And in the case of of Jane's character, uh, she learns some really hard lessons, but you know she she also discovers really important things about herself along the way. And and what we hope by putting the film out is that one, it's her ability to tell her truth and to tell her story, and also to use art as a as a healing process. Uh, but it's also um, uh, a way for other people to watch that and just again have somebody who's authentically gone through that be able to share, you know, their their truth and their story. So um, we're hoping that it will really resonate with people who watch it because even if you're in sex work or not, especially as a young woman. A lot of a lot of what she went through, you can you can see in shades or variations from what you know you have gone through as well. So I think it's uh, um, uh, important to just be inclusive, even if we need to start by doing that ourselves within our own industry.
1: And I guess you know one of my last questions is: is I'm seeing there are some adult film actors and actresses who've made the cross over oh yes, yes. Um, to mainstream like chloe cherry and sasha mm-hmm. ray and simon rex and all those folks mm-hmm. um i'm wondering because a lot of people <laughs> what's interesting is a lot of people see that as some sort of major triumph mm-hmm. it's like you've left the the seedy world of right. of of the adult film industry and now you're legit because mm-hmm. you're on Euphoria or because you're in a movie with a certain star or, you know, you've been able to write for Showtime or, you know, they yeah. have you in Oscar conversation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk, can you speak a little bit to what that, does it have any ramifications on the industry? Do you think it helps or, or hurts the perception of, or rather, do you think that transition helps or hurts, or
0: is it more individual based? Sure, well, I mean, first of all, the one of the biggest misconceptions about the adult industry is the, is the assumption that the people within it are not talented. Uh, I can tell you, I have met some of the most incredibly talented actors in this industry. and when people, if you go and look at the comments of my work, say on Pornhub, what I always love to see and you see it more than anything else is people that are sort of saying like, wait a minute why are they such good actors? Why, why did I watch this all the way through? What's wrong with this? You know, People are so shocked that adult actors are good actors. And, and, but the reality is, is that they're incredibly talented. I, I remember directing Chloe back in like 2017 and some of my early Pure Taboo stuff and she was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm not at all surprised that she she landed a role on a cool show and is doing well, you know mm-hmm. because the talent has always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she's certainly one of just many really talented people. Um, and, you know, the same goes through crew members. A lot of the people working on our crews work on mainstream film crews. They just have to keep their porno jobs a secret so they don't get fired. Like, it's just, it's shame. That's- it's a shame, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the talent is there. And, and, but, you know, again, uh, mainstream folk just don't, it's like, because there's been so many years of, of stereotypes about, again, mattress actress or nobody watches it for the plot or whatever, um, people are genuinely shocked when, wait a minute, they're actually talented, but they are. So anytime somebody uh, ascends, you know, to the, to the, um, you know, to, 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 to mainstream and, and is successful, it's just another example for us to reinforce. Well, yes, because they are talented, and good for them for for getting those gigs and and, and you know uh, somebody too like like Chloe. I, I really appreciate how even though she has had a really quick um, you know kind of shift in her career and is now doing fantastic, um, you know she's never come out and dogged the industry or said that you know it 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 was a bad experience. She's always been very you know, Frank about the, her path and, you know, um, how being an adult actress was part of that. And so, um, you know, I think the more, hopefully the more talent that we're able to kind of expose into other aspects of, of media, um, the more people are going to start to maybe shift their perceptions about, oh, okay. So there are, there actually are quite a few, like really intelligent, really empowered, really creative and cool, um, and really positive people in our industry
1: thank you so much for for chatting with me and being really open and and honest about the experience because as an outsider i'm like you know i'm having these questions and we you know and people who love movies just sort of love film mm-hmm. um not because of where it comes from or whatever trust me i've watched way worse than anything that you probably have talked about or directed, or, you know, I've watched Mary of Donna's films, which are awful and just sort of gory and just lifeless. But people are like, well, that's a part of cinema. And it's like, this is, it's just very, the conversation is very complicated, but I'm trying to get some perspective. So thank you so much for, um, talking to me and talking to deadline at the scene to scene podcast and thank you so much
0: thank you i really appreciate the time